Good morning. Have your Bible ready. Acts 26 and verse 28. We are thankful to God to be here as the month of June has arrived, sometimes called hurricane season. I'm not a weatherman, but my only forecast is if we have this book open, we will not be partly cloudy. We'll be clear. Acts 26 and verse 28. This was the occasion where Paul was standing in the court of King Agrippa. And the king said to Paul, in a short time, you would persuade me to become a Christian? That may sound familiar because it's a song in our songbook that we're familiar with. Almost persuaded. The point, the point is, it isn't enough to be almost persuaded. Just getting close doesn't mean you're there. Just raising the question doesn't mean that you've given the answer. Being in a building doesn't make you a Christian. Knowing others who are Christians doesn't make you a Christian. One must be fully persuaded in such a way that it leads to obedience to Jesus Christ in repentance and baptism, the activity of faith in Christ, and then you add to that faith. I want to talk to you this morning about becoming a Christian. Becoming a Christian. And this is part of an ongoing series this year. I'm delivering once a month what a difference it can make in your life when you just use the Bible. Once a month, I return to this theme. So, back in January, what a difference it makes when you take your concept of God from the Word He gave. What a difference it makes when you understand who Jesus Christ is based on what the Bible says about Him. What a difference it makes when you come to the subject of the Holy Spirit and you understand that subject based on what the Bible says. What a difference it makes when somebody says something about the Old Testament and you've read the Old Testament from your Bible. What a difference it makes when you understand what the Bible says about the New Testament. And now today, we're going to let the Bible speak again. No fog, a clear view in the light of Scripture about what the Bible says it means to become a Christian. First question... Why? Why become a Christian? And a variety of reasons might be initially spoken and yet not get down to the fundamental reason to become a Christian. Somebody might say, well, it's going to make mom and daddy happy. I'm sure. 
Somebody might say, it's going to make my husband happy or my wife happy or some other family member. Somebody might say, well, it will certainly create an appearance of religion for the sake of my reputation. All those statements, whatever truth they may or may not contain, fall short of the fundamental solid reason God has given to become a Christian. Start here. Sin. You ever done anything wrong? You ever done something later you regretted and your thought was, not only do I feel bad about it, but I wonder what my Creator thinks about it. You ever hear a preacher delivering a fiery sermon and he cuts with the Word of God surgically right to the core of your sin, your neglect of God. And internally your response is, He's right, that hurts. He was talking about me and my sin. Sometimes when we think of sin, we think of a universal problem. But it's an individual problem always. My sin, your sin. A preacher one time said, If there's anyone in this building who's never done anything wrong, you can go home right now. And a man got up, but his wife nearly pulled his arm out, getting him back into the seat. We identify with doing wrong. And we know that disobeying God is something we cannot just bring into our minds and then quickly dismiss it. Paul said in Romans 3, verse 23, All do sin and fall short of the glory of God. I'm in that verse. You're in that verse. We are all on that page and in that verse. What are we going to do about it? If you haven't become a Christian, that's the first step out of sin and into a life that will glorify God. See, the creation truth in Genesis is you were made, I was made in the image of God accountable to Him. We cannot take that lightly. You are not an accident of evolution. We were made in the image of God. God made you, God made me, and that means we face Him on the level of accountability, and we will face Him in the end. You will face Him in the end. Why become a Christian? It is a step, the first step, out of of sin and into relationship with God. Number two, just stop and think about God. Who God is and who you are 
and how you need to relate to him. I remind you again, we were made in the image of God. We are not accidents of evolution. We will face him. Why become a Christian? Because of sin. The only remedy being the cross. And my response to that cross is necessary. Why become a Christian? Because of God, who He is. You become a Christian because of your life here. You need Christ here and now. He promises an abundant life. Need another reason to become a Christian? Life there after you die. Life here for that abundant life in Christ where you're able to relate to God through Him and do what is good and right. Life there because Paul said, we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So, Becoming a Christian isn't about making mommy and daddy happy, though they will be, though they should be. Becoming a Christian isn't about somehow enhancing your reputation or getting your name in a directory. No, becoming a Christian is about sin. It's about God. It's about life here and life there. These are motives to respond to what the New Testament says that I'll cover in a minute about becoming a Christian. Reasons to get out of sin and come to God through Jesus Christ. How? I want you to look at this chart. And I'd be happy to make a printout for you. This is the same that is contained on that final chart that I often display at the end of a sermon just before the invitation. I want you to look at this chart and let me explain. I didn't come up with this. The apostles didn't come up with this. And don't let anyone tell you that 200 years ago, a group of men here in America sat down at a conference table in Kentucky to start the Church of Christ. And after 12 long days of that convention, they hammered out these conventions and voted, these are the conditions. No. I didn't come up with this. The apostles didn't come up with this. Men around some conference table somewhere didn't come up with this. This is written in this book. It's written here. When the gospel was preached, when Christ was proclaimed as the remedy the atonement for sin by his death. 
confirmed by his resurrection, reconfirmed by his ascension into heaven, when that truth was preached and people wanted to respond to that, they were moved by it (coughs) and they wanted out of sin, what were they told by the messengers God sent? Well, it's written here. Obviously, they had to listen to the gospel. They had to hear the message of Christ and Him crucified. And Paul said in Romans ten seventeen, faith comes by hearing. If you were here in the Bible class this morning, we were talking about what you do after you obtain faith. Well, you obtain faith initially by hearing the gospel and responding to that message as instructed by the apostles. Hearing that message that Christ crucified is the means of salvation. You believe it based on all the evidence given in the New Testament. Hearing and believing, though, requires further action. If you really hear the message as written in the Bible, and you really believe that message, then you're going to engage in further action to become a Christian. Those who believed in Christ with all their hearts, confessing their faith, according to Romans 10 verse 10, repented of their sins. Paul said, God now commands all men everywhere to repent. All sin, all need to repent. Now, hearing that message, believing in Christ, confessing your faith, repenting of your sin, there's further action instructed in the New Testament. Repent and be baptized. Acts 2.38, 1 Peter 3.21, baptism doth also now save us. And then, according to Romans 6 and Philippians 1.27, you walk in newness of life. You live faithfully until you die, Philippians 1.27. Now, I want to go back and say again. I didn't make this up. I didn't come up with this. The apostles didn't come up with this. There were not some men here in this country years ago who came up with this, or in Europe or anywhere on earth that came up with this. These conditions came from heaven. Now, it is critical to understand that this is response to God's work because of what God did on the cross through the death of Christ. Without this provision of grace, these things wouldn't take you anywhere. But because of who Jesus is and what He did, His death, burial, and resurrection, when you do what the apostles wrote in this book that you ought to do, the result is the forgiveness of your sin and the joy that produces. You become a Christian and then you live as a Christian. What a difference it makes. 
when you just use the Bible to address and answer these fundamental questions about you and God. But there's one more question. When? I've heard people say, one of these days, it's on my calendar. I keep forgetting, but I'm going to do that someday. One of these days. Well, you know the problem with that. You don't know about your future. You don't know if you're going to have tomorrow. When Saul of Tarsus heard the gospel and knew what his response was to be, the preacher said, Why do you wait? See, procrastination just adds more sin to your previous sin. There are historical cases in the book of Acts where people were baptized in the same hour when they heard the gospel preached. When you make the choice, that's the time to carry out the choice. I've been preaching over 50 years, and I've baptized a lot of people at the building after an invitation song. I've baptized many who call me and met me at the building. I've baptized people in swimming pools and ponds and creeks and in the dark hours of the night. A couple of times in the South China Sea in the Philippines. There's urgency about this, folks. What a difference it makes when you just read the Bible and, and it moves you at the moment to do what you understand you ought to do. If sin is your problem, if God has provided a solution, if you want a life that pleases God to spend eternity with God there, why do you wait? <clears throat> I'm going to say two things, and then I'm going to go to 1 Peter 3 for a final passage reading. I want to say two things to two groups of people who are here in this building. If you are not a Christian and you believe what's been presented this morning, we are ready to assist you in being baptized. And then we will be ready to nourish you and encourage you to serve God and to be a part of this group in every way. If you are a Christian already, you're in the other group, my challenge to us is, can we take what has been presented in this sermon and share this with people we know who were not Christians? Can we break through that barrier of hesitation 
and unjustified fear and take this simple message we've studied today or a recording of this sermon that will be on the website this afternoon, can we share it with people we know who are not Christians? Can we sit down with people who are not Christians and show them these things? What a difference it can make when you just do what the Bible says. 1 Peter 3, 18 through 22. 1 Peter 3, 18 through 22. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience." Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels and authorities and powers having been subjected to him. I taught this passage in a Bible class a few weeks ago. I want you to notice how it begins and how it ends. The passage begins with the historical truth of Jesus' suffering and death. It says, for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Even before Jesus came to earth, he was concerned for sinners, preaching righteousness to sinners through Noah, back while the ark was being prepared. Jesus had this concern then, this love for sinners then, and then he came, and he came in such measure he was willing to suffer and die. And the end of the passage says, he has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. So that's what Jesus has done. What do you need to do? Verse 21. Baptism now saves you as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Why do you wait, dear sinner? Let's be standing while we sing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>